Welcome to day four of our look through Hebrews chapter two. We're going to focus on verses 11 to 15 today. And as we look at these verses, we're going to see the power that Jesus has for our lives, the difference that he can make in your daily life. Listen to what these verses have to say, 11 to 15. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What great verses about what Jesus has done for us. Beginning with the truth, you are in the family of Jesus. Jesus is not ashamed to call us part of his family. You are his brother. You are his sister. You are part of his family. This first verse 11 is an amazing verse. We often say here at Saddleback that the Christian life is not just a matter of believing. It's a matter of belonging. And there's no doubt about that. I don't just believe in Jesus, I belong to Jesus. And I don't just belong to Jesus, I belong to every other believer. I'm a brother, I'm a sister with every other believer. We belong to every other Christian. Jesus is not ashamed to say, they're part of my family. We think of the joy of that when we get to heaven, that Jesus is gonna point to all of us and say, they're part of my family. But that doesn't start when we get to heaven, it's already started. It started the minute you came to Christ. He's not ashamed of you. He's grateful to have you in his family picture. He's grateful to have you in his family picture. He wants you right there, front and center, as part of the picture. You're in the family of Jesus. And as the writer of Hebrews talks about us being in the family of Jesus, he shares then some verses, two or three verses from the Old Testament that all come from passages about family, about brothers and sisters and children and the fact that we're in God's family. And out of that, in verse 14, He reminds us of something, of what Jesus did for us. He reminds us of the fact that Jesus shared in our humanity. We're part of his family, and part of what that means is that Jesus came and he took on human flesh. He became a man. Jesus is both man and God. Now, I will say this. If you have not been a believer for very long, it's probably more difficult for you to see Jesus as God That's a new truth for you. And to see that God came into this world, that that just sort of blows the top off your mind. But once you read the scripture more and more and more and see what Jesus did, the miracles he did, the things that he said, it becomes easier and easier and easier to accept the fact Jesus is God. But I found the longer you become familiar with that, the longer you're a believer, the more difficult it is to continue to accept the fact that Jesus was also 100% man. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, 100% of the time. That's what it meant as he walked this earth. The longer you're a believer, it's easier to see his deity than it is his humanity. But remember, he took on human flesh. Just like we have flesh, he says, I want you to understand what it means that you're part of my family and I have some things to do in this human flesh. So he shared in our humanity. Now, why did he do that? Well, we could go through a long list of things in Scripture why he did that, but there are two very powerful truths here concerning why he did that. You notice what they are. First, to destroy the devil. Second, to set people free. That's why he did it. He shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. 
the devil was officially defeated on the cross. By his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. I would think it's by his resurrection, but it happened at the cross. The resurrection has a lot of meaning, powerful meaning, but the moment Jesus died on the cross, Satan was done for. He was declawed and defanged at the cross. He's got a bark now, but no bite because Jesus took the bite away from him. That's what happened at the cross. And we still see some of the power of Satan in this world today, but it's not gonna last. It is not gonna last. The truth of the matter is, the way God looks at it, he is destroyed. And one day, the ultimacy of that truth will be borne out when he's thrown into the lake of fire. But God already sees it. It's already done. And Satan already knows it. He's already destroyed. He's destroyed Satan, that one who has so often destroyed lives as a liar, as an accuser. He is destroyed. So anytime I allow the power of Satan, his temptation, his direction to rule in my life, I'm following one who's doomed to destruction. Jesus destroyed him. It's done. And as he did that, he also did a second thing in verse 15. He set people free. He set free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. There's a general universal fear that we have in this world, and it is the fear of death. If you want to know that, you just go to a funeral sometime and you see the spirit that many people have. If you want to know about the fear of death, then sometime maybe you're out for coffee with somebody, you look across the table at them and you say, hey, let's uh, let's talk about death. Let's talk about your funeral. It'll get really quiet. We don't really like to talk about death. And one of the reasons is we fear it. And there are a lot of reasons why we fear death. Some people fear it because of the loss of control. I, I can't make happen what I want to have happen. Some people fear death because they, they feel... They'll have a sense of incompleteness or failure. I didn't finish what I wanted to finish in life. Some people fear death because it is a separation from those that we love, although I don't know that we totally understand what heaven's going to be like if we fear death on that measure. Many people fear death because we all fear the unknown. Even though we hear the promises of Jesus, we fear the unknown. Jesus said, I came to set you free from that fear. The night before he died on the cross, Jesus talked to his disciples. You remember what he said. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going to my father's house. I'm gonna go to heaven. I'm gonna go build a mansion for you. And if I go there, I'm gonna come back and receive you to be with me where I am. Jesus was dealing with all these fears we've just talked about. It's not an unknown. I'm building a place for you. It's not a failure. I've got a purpose for you. It's not you're out of control. It's God is in control. I don't have to fear death because for the Christian, death is just a transfer. It's just going from this life into a better life. And the question I'll also have to look at in our lives is, if I'm fearing death, why am I afraid? Am I afraid because I'm not certain where I'm going to go when, I'm, when I die? If you're not certain, you can become certain right now. How do I become certain? Well, it's not based on what you do. If it was based on what you do, you could never be certain that you'd done enough. It's based on what Jesus did. He already died on the cross. He already is resurrected. So I can be certain by trusting in that because that's the only thing that's gonna get me to heaven. Trusting in his perfection, not mine. Trusting in his work, not mine. I can be certain that I'll be with him for eternity. Right now, just say, Jesus, I wanna be certain. So instead of trusting in me and my works and what I do, I'm trusting in you, what you did on the cross, what you did in your resurrection. Forgive me. Give me new life. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be more and more through this life. I trust you. 
If you trusted him like that, you can be confident. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. When you die, it'll be the end of your body, but it will not be the end of you because you were made to last forever. That's interesting. As we've walked through these last these couple of chapters of Hebrews, we've got one more day tomorrow in chapter two, we've been seeing many of the most powerful reasons that we can see for the incarnation, for why God became man. Reasons for the incarnation. In chapter one, we saw why did God become man? To reveal God to man. He has spoken to us in his son. So he shows us what God is like. That's why Jesus came into this earth and became a man. Why did God become man? Number two, to reveal mankind to man, to reveal men to men and women who we're supposed to be like. The only way we can know what we're to be like is by looking at Jesus. He's the example. The third reason, why did God become man? To provide a sacrifice for sins. We're gonna see this again and again throughout the book of Hebrews. In chapter one, we talked about the purification of sin for which Jesus came. Why did God become man? To destroy the works of the devil. And one of those works is fear. So he came to set us free from the fear of death. Tomorrow, by the way, we're going to see a fifth powerful reason why God became man. Jesus became man to become our high priest. Much of the book of Hebrews, the center section of it, it's going to be about what it means for Jesus to be your high priest, the confidence that that can give you, the boldness that that can give you in daily life. But before we turn the page to that tomorrow, as we end today, I'd like to remind you of these two truths we looked at. Jesus destroyed Satan and his works. Jesus set you free from the fear of death. That just results in gratitude. So let's take a minute to thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for destroying Satan and his work. And even though he does have some measure of power today, I know that it will not last because of what you did. The end story of this world is not a story of evil winning. It's a story of your victory. Thank you for destroying evil. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for setting me free from my fears and my doubts and my failures and my guilt. Thank you for setting me free from the fear of death and help me to understand more and more every day what that means. Help me to live in your freedom and not in my fear. I ask this in your name. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to see some encouragement to defeat the temptations in our lives. 